was it bad? What was it like working with him, working with her? You'll hear all the tales you wish you knew. Every aspect of the theater too. Feel your love of Broadway anew. On backstage babble. Hi. This is Charles Kirsch, and welcome to Backstage Babble. Backstage Babble is a podcast interviewing professionals in the theater industry about themselves, their careers, and the people they've worked with along the way. Today, to celebrate the beginning of a new year, is the surprise legendary guest I hinted at last week. And, as you may have seen in the title of this episode, it is the one and only... Ed Asner, I could not have been more thrilled to have been able to interview one of my heroes like Ed Asner. Ed Asner has appeared many times on stage and screen, including as Lou Grant on Lou Grant and the Mary Tyler Moore Show, and in Rich Man, Poor Man, Roots, Elf, Up, El Dorado, The Christmas Card, and more. On stage, he has appeared in the Three Penny Opera, Grace, Born Yesterday, and three shows that he started touring the country with before the quarantine, A Man and His Prostate, God Help Us, and The Soap Myth. Mr. Asner is also the author of the book The Grouchy Historian and a lifelong activist. He is the recipient of seven Emmy Awards and the personification of the word legend. I know you're eager to hear what he has to say, so without further ado, Ed Asner. How did you first become interested in acting? Well, I had done radio work in high school, and uh, I liked it. In those days, we didn't have that much TV. We didn't have TV. And I went to college at the University of Chicago. And while I was there, I had two roommates, one from Montgomery, Alabama, and the other from Newark, New Jersey, named Jerry Stenner. And uh, these folks ran a, uh, a wonderful deli in work. Oh. And he became involved in the theater group at the university. It was strictly voluntary. didn't uh, didn't amount. You didn't get graded or anything like that. Just uh, just perpetuated itself. Yeah. So they started a closed-circuit radio station in the dormitory system at Chicago. And their first attempt at something dramatic was Shakespeare's play, Richard III. And uh, my uh, friend Jerry Skinner, my roommate, and I said, um, I did radio nice. What should I try for radio here? He said, let me hear you read. So I read him something from, who's the great American poet? Uh, uh, my memory does tricks like that. And <laughs> whim out on me yeah. at certain moments. Of, um, it'll come to me. Yeah. Anyway, I, uh, he's a difficult poet. And I read something of his, or performed something of his that he had written. And um, Jerry, my roommate, job all open. Oh, he said, what'd you learn to like that? Now, coming from Kansas City, he expected nothing but cowboys and Indians from me. <laughs> yeah. So 
It's a by all means great. No, I ended up doing it York in Richard the Third. Oh. And time went on. The year went on. Yeah. And at spring, Jerry came bustling home one day, and he said, "Listen, they're going to do T.S. Eliot's Murder in the Cathedral as a spring play, and you can do any of the roles in it. So <laughs> get the book out, check it out, and read for it. You can do it." book out, but I didn't read it. And I took my girlfriend at the time to the audition. I auditioned and to a series of quirks and circumstances. They needed, they were down to two Thomases. Uh, one was a veteran of the theater uh, group, who was not a good actor, and me. So we were going to do it for three nights. And they were going to decide as we neared the end as we neared opening night, they would decide then and who won. Oh. And I won. Yeah. Did it two nights ago. I, I did it the two nights. And um, I became so possessed with the emotion of doing the play and doing that rich poetry that mm. I became dedicated to acting for the rest of my life. Wow. So I want to ask you about an early thing you did, which was a Broadway show, The Three Penny Opera. Oh, so, Broadway. Okay. Yeah. So I want to ask you, did you did you want to be a singer originally, or were you singing originally? No, but I always fancied that I could sing, so learning Brechtian songs and good vile songs yeah. did not intimidate so, what was it like to be able to work with Lottie Lenya, who was Kurt Vile's widow on this? I always found, uh, I found her fascinating and um, provocative. Yeah. So, around this time, were you thinking of yourself as more of a dramatic or a comedic actor? I tended to think in those terms, yeah. Because yeah. Um, I found comedy hard. I eventually... Became adept at it. Yes. But um, when you're starting out, the thought of comedy uh, tends to intimidate you. Yeah. Uh, what intimidates you is the fact that stumble onto a laugh the first time you do a line or a moment, but then you get to it a second night, you don't get the laugh. You say, what yeah. did I do to get the laugh? And you keep rumbling and rolling and rolling and rumbling, working it out, working it out, working very hard to recapture the last. Yeah. And you do that in Timothy, so you tend to forsake it. Yeah. Unfortunately, for me, I um, stumbled onto the Moore show eventually yeah. and learned how to repeat and not worry too much about getting it a laugh the second time. Yeah. Things take care of themselves. So I want to ask you, when did you decide to move from New York to Hollywood full-time? I think early 60s, I believe, 1961. So one of the early things you did there was star in El Dorado with John Wayne. So what was it like to be able to work with him and Robert Mitchum? Well, Mitchum was a good old boy. And he had... <laughs> Oh, no pretenses. He didn't try to 
one of you. John Wayne didn't really, well, he had had his sentence, and he, he attended the Lord over you, but uh, he didn't keep them up for very long. Yeah. He dropped them once Once you became uh, working. And the first day, I was told by our director, once again, that memory again, slipping. <laughs> anyway, you can find that out on your own. Yeah. He said we had time before we started filming and, oh, diddle someplace else. So I was wandering around, thinking, what was I going to do? What was I going to do? John mm-hmm. Wayne was on his Appaloosa. And I saw the crews all gravitating towards what we were going to shoot this first scene and uh, realized I should be heading that way myself. Yeah. I did, walking towards Wayne as I did so. Yeah. And um, then um, as I approached him, it just, I didn't exist. And he, uh, he said, where's that New York actor? Where's New York at? And, and he's looking right at me, and I'm looking right at him. So I said, you mean me? He kind of growled into his beard, or if he had a beard. And, uh, uh, so uh, I had been out from New York, uh, let's see, 61. I must have come out in the late 50s. I've been in, in L.A. about three years already. Yeah. I didn't consider myself a New York actor. That's that. So yeah. the next thing I want to ask you is how you got the role of Lou Grant. Well, I uh, I went in on a regular audition. Tinker, Mary's husband, Mary Tyler Moore's husband. Yeah. I've been executive position at 20th Century Fox at that time and seen or heard I was doing them on the lot, the 20th lot at that time and um, uh, I did, uh, my interpretation was that a buffoonish police chief he of course was witness to that being a uh, 20th Century Fox executive at the time so, Burns and uh, Jim Brooks, Doug Grant mentioned to Alan Burns and Jim Brooks, what about that as you considered him for Lou Grant? And they wondered, and they only knew me as a, uh, as a uh, character actor. Yeah. So, Ethel Finance was the vice president in charge of talent at uh, CBS at that time. Yeah. And uh, the two producers asked her, can it Asner do comedy? And her response was, Ed Asner can do anything. That's yeah. a lovely phrase, but she didn't know beans whether I could do comedy or not. <laughs> so they decided to bring me in for an audition. They brought me in to audition me, and um, I read. It wasn't funny. 
Oh. And Jim Brooks said, well, that was a uh, very intelligent reading you gave. And I mumbled to them and to myself, yeah, but it wasn't funny. <laughs> we have you back to read with Mary. What a positive sign that is. Was your wild, wiggy, all out, crazy, idiotic, spur moment? So I said to him, "Well, why don't you have me read it that way now? And if I do it, if I don't do it, then don't have me back." Which is uh, pretty uh, brazen on my part. I kind of plumped and said, "Well, we have another appointment waiting." But uh, go ahead and try it that way. So I tried it crazily, as they suggested. And uh, they laughed very positively. And um, they liked it, and they hired me. Did you have sort of a favorite episode of the Mary Tyler Moore show to film? Well, everybody seems to think it's the one. But they were all great. But Chuckles and the Clown bites the dust. I think there's a lot of great stuff in it. Yeah. So what was it like to to work with Mary Tyler Moore herself and also the talented other cast like Betty White and Cloris Leachman? They're all wonderful. All truly knew what they were doing and were going to work on it until they found out what they were doing. Yeah. Don't forget Ted Knight. Yeah. Uh, he was great. He was the perfect leading lady. And um, she was a non real as far as any other lady compared to her. She knew how to be the star and at the same time never got in the way of her fellow performers. Encouraged them every step of the way. So having played the character for so long on so many different series, how much of him do you think is sort of like you? I, um, I felt that uh, he's the bombast that Lou Grant has. I needed to go to an outside source. And I ended up using my two brothers, my two older brothers, oh. as my inspiration for bombast and it worked well yeah. then after seven years of comedy i was decided that i would switch over and do a, an hour show showing the serious side of Lou grant um i uh i then realized that getting my two brothers wasn't going to work for me anymore oh i need other source i couldn't find it so I plunged myself of the character and came up with Ed as the, the deep. Yeah. I used my inner borrowings uh, as my inspiration for the non-comedic character. Yeah. How did you find that your characterization was sort of different when you were working with a different group of actors as you were on Lou Grant? Well, we so the process by which with subtle little techniques, you adjust yourself to the other person or saying the lines. 
And that's what happens with new actors. So I want to ask you about a sitcom that you starred in in 1985 with Eileen Brennan called Off the Rack. So did you... Yeah. Did you enjoy having a show that was more sort of built around you? As, as yeah, it was a lot of... No, I was very sorry. I don't know how many episodes we made, five or eight. I'm not sure. But uh, Eileen was very good. Dennis Haysbert was his intro onto television acting. A couple of other people were there. Yeah. Um, David Colt was on that show. And uh, we had some good laughs. It was good to go back to comedy. Yeah. So I want to ask you, when you're doing comedy, do you prefer doing it with a group of sort of straight men or a group of other comedians? I've never asked myself that question. Oh. I work with whatever I find. But I'm sure that we'll find a way that even straight men can make possible for me to get lives. Yeah. So, I want to ask you, you um, have done a lot of voice acting in your career, including maybe most famously in the movie Up. So, in what ways is it different than being able to act with your face and body? No, I, I find it very easy. I, I think I've been wedded to voice acting from the get-go. Yeah. So that if the last not there in the line, as I read it, then very well may not exist. So, I want to ask you, you starred in two major 1970s miniseries, Roots and Rich Man, Poor Man. So, how did you feel about having to portray a slave owner in Roots? I felt good about it because I thought it was striking a blow against the evil of the institution. Yeah. But that I was a good messenger to carry that message. Yeah. I was saying you are a good messenger to carry that. So. So, on Broadway, you were in a revival of Born Yesterday in 1989, I think. So, did you enjoy being able to do this comedy and with Madeline Kahn? Yeah. Uh, but I found the... Uh, Garson Kanan, the author, said something about me being a superior therapist. Um, I don't know if I was or not, but, um, I found the New York critics quite allied against me, against my work. Yeah. So they did not treat me kindly. But did you enjoy doing the show all the same? It's a great show, and I'm perfect for it. But uh, the audience enjoyed it. The critics did not. Yeah. So I want to ask you, um, 
having worked steadily from 1957 up to today, how have you sort of noticed changes in the way that movies and TV are made now as opposed to then? I don't, I don't think I made any changes. I did it according to practice. Yeah. Uh, writing through techniques. So I want to ask you how you got the idea to write your great book, The Grouchy Historian, which is about the Constitution. Yeah. Well, after the debacle of 2016, yeah. Ed Weinberg, who's a producer of mine on Mary, um, got the idea of writing the book, and he brought me on board to serve as a devil's advocate for him, <laughs> and he used my name to further the book. Yeah. So, throughout your career, how has your sort of activism and strong political beliefs tied in with your acting career? Well, it certainly has with that character. Uh, the guy who fights roughshod over those around him. Yeah. And uh, has the foggiest idea of how hurtful he can be, and yet revealing at the same time, due to Carson Keenan's genius, that mm. uh, he still, in spite of his remissness, has a hard goal. Yeah. So. I want to ask you about a play that you perform across the country, A Man and His Prostate. So you developed that again with Ed Weinberger. So what? why do you think that you and Ed Weinberger work so well together as you have so many times? Well, the proof is in the pudding. The proof <laughs> is in the plays he's written. Yeah. The, uh, the episodes he's written. And the fact that uh, success breeds its own charm. I succeeded every time I did a play, uh, an episode of his. And I certainly have succeeded with the two plays I've done of his. Born yesterday. Not born yesterday. Uh, God help God us. God help us. No, he didn't do God help us. Uh, that was uh, yeah. I can't think of his name. Oh, how embarrassing, oh, no. but I'll, oh. I'll, I'll still live. <laughs> yeah. So what has, in, what has it been like touring the country with a man and his prostate, and how has it sort of been received? And Well, uh, the, the play works magically. Uh, it and I are very nicely related to each other. Yeah. But unfortunately, the pandemic has uh, canceled a lot of performances that uh, we were booked at. Yeah. So until the pandemic is over, we're, uh, we're stuck with uh, doing God help us <laughs> or whatever else comes along.
Yeah. So I want to ask you, what is the sort of challenge like of having to hold the entire stage by yourself when you're doing a one-man show? I don't find a problem with it. I, I know what I'm going to do, what I'm about to do, and I don't have any problem with that. Yeah. So another play that you've been doing is The Soap Myth with Tova Feldsha. So how, what has it been like to do this much more sort of dark and dramatic play? Well, this is another play that I thought I was born to do. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> a Holocaust survivor attesting to the fact that the Jewish agencies in charge of approving or not approving a particular piece uh, have been making it difficult for me to get approved. And... Uh, I fight them, and in doing so, I present the piece to the audience to applaud or to boo. So far, it's just been applause. Yeah. So, I want to ask you, what kind of things are you doing next, either in quarantine or when we get out? Well, I was uh, on the verge of um, going into do some refining, cleaning up, and um, the act of Lou Grant and other actors of that period that I did. I am uh, sending signals. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, everything's kosher. Everything's good. Yeah. Uh, the uh, man is prostate works very well for one. Yeah. And uh, the other stage. Oh. So the last question I want to ask you is, after having so much experience in show business, what advice would you give to someone who is just starting out? Uh, try not to be a leading man. Granted, you're 13. You, you know enough that you couldn't possibly be a leading at this point. But you could be a leading man to the girls of 13. Uh... Try to work it so that it's the reverse of being the leading man. Oh. Uh, try to be the fool first, <laughs> and then the leading man. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your stories with me. And listeners, thank you for tuning in, and remember to come back next week when I am joined by veteran Broadway gypsy Mary Jane Houdina. As a dancer, Miss Houdina has appeared in Georgie, The Fig Leaves Are Falling, and I'm Solomon. She also assisted Michael Bennett on creating Follies, and her choreographic talents have also been given to such shows as Sextet, Rockabye Hamlet, Annie, Moose Murders, and Into the Light. On screen, she assistant choreographed The Great Gatsby, as well as Peter Allen's act at Radio City Music Hall. 
Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in again next week.